franchise comes to a close, but does it rise from the ashes? <laughs> We're talking next men dark Phoenix. Next men? <laughs> That's an X Men. <laughs> Listen to the playback and we'll find out. All right. Welcome to Cinematic Protastic. I'm Andrew. And I thought <laughs> we cannot maybe do this without talk, laughing. Maybe we're talking X-Men. Maybe we're talking next men. But <laughs> okay. follow us on Twitter and all the social medias. Facebook, uh, Twitter, gmail.com, Cinematic Protastic at or at Cinematic Protastic, depending on what service it is. You can also find us on uh, Anchor.fm, which is the host of this podcast. Um, well, we're the hosts, but they hosted <laughs> digitally, <laughs> whatever. Okay. <laughs> we need to get our act together. Yeah, we're a little rusty. I was thinking about do you remember that text i sent you a while back about the npr uh names yes <laughs> so a friend of mine came up one of those stupid things like you know there's the star wars name you get like you combine the streets you were born on and well not born on but the streets you lived <laughs> on when when you were born and stuff like that i was and, born on a corner of 49th and Main. <laughs> <laughs> And, and like, you know, I think the Star Wars one is you combine street names, like first three letters of street names and last names and surnames and whatever to get your Star Wars name. This one was find the name of your favorite pattern and then the last name. Uh, well, I guess it doesn't have to be the last name, but a, a name of a singer that has passed away. And mine was Plaid Jackson. I'm Plaid Jackson. And I thought it was hilarious because I don't think you did this on purpose, but even in our stupid made-up NPR names, <laughs> we are related. <laughs> no, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> but I went through the list of dead singers, and because uh, I think you said it has to be a dead singer that you that you liked your favorite pattern and yeah. deceased dead singer. So your favorite. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, of all the deceased singers, that all I could think of, I, and it might have been influenced from yours Probably. anyway, but and I was like, so bit. I went with, with Striped Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, uh, we're not going to, but I kind of thought it'd be funny if we did a episode as Plaid and Striped Jackson. <laughs> Coming to you live from the living room of Striped Jackson. You're listening to the corner to of 49th and Main, <laughs> where I was born. Anyway, so X Men, <clears throat> right? <laughs> it's been a long time coming, or may, I don't know, but it's, it's been it's been a long journey. I'll say that for the yes, the the X Men film franchise. I wouldn't necessarily say that it laid the or or made the the way for the MCU and and what we have now to be what it is because. There were things that came before the X-Men, but the X-Men movies, along with the original Spider-Man movies, helped prove superhero movies can be blockbusters. Spider-Man, X-Men, and Blade were kind of the big, like, 
comic book franchise movies that showed you can make a good movie based <laughs> based off of these comic books. X-Men, I feel like that was when it really was like, this can work. And they made a sequel, and that was very successful. And then from there, it's kind of rocky. <laughs> the, yeah, the third outing is where X-Men kind of fell apart. And for a while, thought it might have maybe killed the franchise. Wolverine didn't do too well. And then the second Wolverine f- film did okay, but it, it still wasn't... wasn't it's not like we, we watched it one time, but I haven't been dying to go back to it. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I do want to see, you know, with Logan's one that I kind of want to see again. And I mean, that one was just a really good movie. And then, of course, they rebooted it and went back to the 60s and 70s and 80s and whatnot for the prequel versions or whatever. It, it hit, it, it regained and maybe even peaked higher than it did with this initial sequel. I think mm-hmm. when they they came back and did the Days of Future Past, yeah, where they, it combined the old with the new, yeah, and they kind of used that to kind of fix uh, continuity issues because, like, a lot of the problems that I think a lot of people have is that the X Men movies, although for the most part they're a consistent storyline, they kind of just like, well, it works better if we go this way with if we say this is true for this story to work for that particular movie. I mean, it kind of worked, you know, X-Men days of future past kind of changed some things and, you know, for just to make the story work for that particular movie and just kind of ignored some other things. But yeah, I mean, I think they've always, you know, they, they've struggled with the continuity issues and, you know, the, the days of future past was kind of the, the goal was to clean it up so that they could start fresh without, having to worry about where they've made mistakes before, but they still, you know, with, with the, with the, where it went from there. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to pick apart what those continuity area continuity errors are. Um, but it's, it's, it's there. And I just kind of, with this series kind of just learned to accept it. Some of the stuff won't line up, but I'm okay with that. This movie kind of picks up the third X-Men film, X3, X-Men. No, X2 is X-Men United. Is it just X3, the third one? I think so. X-Men 3, it doesn't deal with the Phoenix saga, but it includes the Phoenix saga. Or the Phoenix character, which is Jean Grey has a latent power inside of her that she can't control and it awakens and it doesn't care if you're good or bad. If you get in her way, she'll kill you. And she just basically has to think it and you're dead. X-Men The Last Stand is the third one. By the, the Last way. Stand. Okay. But yeah, like you said, the, the, the th- official third movie, it, because at the end of X2, it hinted at that was what was going to come and, and everybody was really excited because it's one of the most popular storylines mm-hmm. in the comic books. Yeah. Uh, and the idea then was Brian Singer, who had did the first one and the second one, was going to continue and and direct the third one with that storyline. He went off For to do Superman. Whatever reasons he went to do the Superman Returns. Yeah. They bring in Brett Ratner and <laughs> God. He, he decided to do his own thing. You know, in his defense, maybe it was one of those things where he just kind of came on board and wasn't really able to do it from scratch. True. Yeah. I, we don't, I don't know what 
but how how involved he was with the changes or whatever but you know it's his it's his film that came up i'm the juggernaut (laughs) (sighs) frustrating didn't get juggernaut right until deadpool (laughs) yeah so x-men 3 everybody kind of thought that they did a piss poor job of depicting the phoenix saga and kind of just crushed crammed it all into one is basically just like the third act of the film is when yeah. the Phoenix part of it comes. I mean, she goes <clears throat> kind of, I don't, I don't want to say crazy for, but just crazy for lack of a better term, but she changes her mentality and, and kind of goes evil throughout the whole film. But like the, the Phoenix part of it doesn't happen to like the, the third act of the film. So this one, they focused solely on, the Phoenix, the Phoenix saga aspect. And I think they made a better film versus X-Men three, but not a lot of people thought, <laughs> thought that, unfortunately. Uh, no, it, it uh, obviously did not do well in the box office. It, I don't think made money no. by any means. It's kind of sad. <laughs> like it's this, the X-Men, the first X-Men film I felt like was like a huge groundbreaking, like, pillar of cinematic history and then at least box office wise the movie just kind of or the franchise just kind of whimpers out yeah i mean there's a lot that goes into it though too you see you had the whole merger with disney that who knows how much that played into this movie and its success because obviously that them taking ownership of the x-men characters back into the marvel umbrella they're not wanting, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're going to reboot it. So why do we really care yeah. about this movie, whether it's a success or not, you know, it's, so I, I think part of it is, you know, they, they didn't really probably care about marketing it. Yeah. The marketing that we'll it, get back to the marketing here in a little <laughs> bit. Cause I, I have a bone to pick with the marketing, but you know, we watch this film. We're, we're, we're fans of X-Men. And I think we've said before that the X-Men of all the Marvel characters, we we've, we've, we feel more connected to the X-Men. And I don't know if it's the characters themselves or the fact that, you know, when we grew up, there wasn't much exposure to Captain America, Iron Man, and those other characters that everybody now knows and loves. But, you know, there was the X-Men cartoon, and we collected the trading cards. And so I felt like, uh, and and you even collected some X-Men comics. And so I felt like, for whatever reason, we just connected to them. We gravitated towards the X-Men characters. As opposed to the other characters. And, and, and like you said, I think it's because at the time, the X-Men, and I think they still are considered the most popular characters in the Marvel Universe, as far, whether it's comic books or, or whatnot. But, yeah. the, you know, the uh, Wolverine is still probably the most popular character to this day. Yeah. I think it's just the the, the mutants aspect to their characters where... You know, Iron Man made his armor. Captain America was given a serum. Yeah, Hulk was. It was you know he barraged his body with radiation. It was all stuff that they did to themselves. Mm -hmm. Where the X Men characters, it's all been people gain these abilities without necessarily knowing they're going to get these abilities. Yeah, and it and and I know that like when it when it first 
was made, they kind of made the 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 kind of the subtext of the thing was that it was for young readers who are going through changes that they can't control and it's kind of those changes kind of determine the, their future and you know those changes are are puberty and and you know getting older and you know boys getting deeper voices certain things growing and more developing and things like that and you can kind of feel like a a mutant, I guess, you know, you're like your body's changing. It's not what you're used to. Um, you know, maybe you grew really fast, but your, your muscles didn't catch up. And so you're all gangly or, you know, tripping over your own feet, that kind of stuff. And so people could relate in a way to somebody waking up with laser eyes, you know, or, or whatever the strange power would be. And so, yeah, for, for whatever reason, we, I mean, that's not why I, I, I didn't like associate my uh, pubescent years as into the X-Men or maybe I did subconsciously. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, we gravitated toward them. And so it's, it kind of breaks our heart that this film franchise, at least the last two or three films, were just kind of made fun of or picked apart and said, it, you know, all these things weren't weren't working or didn't. It just wasn't good. But I've enjoyed all of them, even even the Brett Ratner one. I still enjoy it. You know, they still have the mutant stuff and the characters in it, so it's still enjoyable in that regard. Um, even Wolverine had some interesting aspects to it, but it, it's just yeah, it's just kind of frustrating that you know something that we really liked, although it wasn't the best film in the franchise. We're not going to say that, but it was still it, it. Yeah, it's hard to have a, a franchise that we've really enjoyed and in some cases more so than the Marvel universe and have it just kind of putter, putter out, you know, yeah. uh, kind of, kind of faded into dust, like the snap of Thanos, you know, because <laughs> this one, you know, all those things aside of it, not doing well in theaters and whatnot. There's a lot of things in this movie that they did differently that we both thought they haven't really done that before in other films. And in our opinion, made for a lot more fun and, and entertainment in the film. And in some cases we got to see more powers. Yeah. And, and in that's this a, one, that's a weird statement to say, because the whole point of the X-Men is that they all have powers, but I feel like at least my opinion was in, in a lot of the other movies, you see a character use their power once, maybe twice. And then, you know, I mean, obviously Magneto uh, being the, one of the major villains of the, of the whole thing uses his power a lot, but you know, a lot of it's, you know, Xavier with the mental powers and you don't see anything. You just hear a voice that's echoey. So it indicates that he's talking to someone with his mind, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, Cyclops, we, I feel like we don't see him use his laser eyes that often. And this one, like he's at least in the, in the climax of the film, he's just going off. (laughs) And, you know, we, it, it wasn't as good as the intro to X-Men two with Nightcrawler, Bamfing everywhere, I think is what the technical term for his <laughs> the the sound that is his tele tele 
teleportation. Teleportation. I was going to say telepathy, but that's not right. Uh, teleportation power uh, makes. But, you know, we almost kind of had that. Again, he, he was, you know, teleporting all over the place and, you know, dispatching enemies here left and right. And, and yeah, we just, I felt like it just, you know, the scene where they're going to try to save Jean Grey is kind of, kind of in the middle of the movie, you know, just, it was a all out mutant battle in the middle of some middle street, of the street and just a neighborhood. Yeah. And I just, it just felt like the battle itself wasn't necessarily anything huge like kind of like i said the, the opening to x-men 2 is i think my favorite scene of the entire franchise where nightcrawler attempts to assassinate the president and it's is still a mind-boggling like i can't imagine how what it took to make that technically what what it took to film mm-hmm. that scene but it wasn't necessarily that good but it was it was just one of those things where i was like man they're really letting loose now and it was just it was just kind of nice and refreshing well and and you know like you said the the previous movies did did like some quick one shots of of the characters uh, you know the obviously cyclops hasn't appeared in uh any of the the x-men movies for a while but the ones that he did it didn't uh, appear in you got like one quick shot of him turning into the steel, you know, using his, his power. But you're just like, why, why wasn't there more of, of that? Or, or Cyclops the, or Colossus? Or not, not Cyclops. Yeah. Colossus. Okay. I was you like, know, he, he turns into a steel form. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously the Deadpool movie, he's in the steel, the entire film that you see. Yeah. Him. Um, um, but, but in that case, you, it looks like a CGI character. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, Cyclops, you see a lot more of his powers, uh, Nightcrawler uses his quite a bit in this movie, and I felt the the character that I think probably got to showcase more than he ever has is the Beast character. Yeah, you know he he came in he was introduced in the third movie X Men Last Stand, but didn't really get to kind of show off what he could do. You I mean you. It's just that kind of like that final fight. Yeah. He just kind of jumps around. <laughs> and and he he does have a couple of, of, of uh, sequences in Days of Future Past where you see him fight in, in those movies. But this one, the, the storyline catered to him. And so you got to see like even an internal battle with the Beast character as well as that final scene or the final battle where he just you're like, OK, we're getting to see exactly mm-hmm. what it is beast can do. Yeah. And like, even with like storms character, Halle Berry in all the films there, there's just like a couple moments where she would just like look up and her eyes would become opaque and, and you would just see a bunch of wind and like, that was it, you know, like there's a sequence in one of the films where she makes a bunch of tornadoes, but it was kind of, you know, CGI, heavy scene that didn't look really look that impressive. You know, this one, she's on top of a train, just like blasting people with electric bolts. And yeah, it just, they really let, let loose. I felt like now this movie, it's kind of frustrating. Cause I kind of wish we could have seen what they intention. They originally made cause they, they, they filmed the movie, but then captain Marvel came out. 
And they're like, well, crap, because <laughs> <laughs> their plot and sequences and characters are very similar. The plot of this film deals with aliens that can shapeshift, which is the plot of Captain Marvel. And it involves a very powerful female character who glows when she's in full power mode, which is Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they also had a sequence that, that ended in space, which is what Captain Marvel did. So I can see why they changed it. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, they put it, they went from space to a, con a confined train, but I was impressed with the train sequence. Like I was, I mm -hmm. thought the train sequence did really well, but I kind of also do want to see like, what did what, they what do? Did they what was it like? Well, and, and uh, I would be curious to, to see if the stuff that was there before, does it help? Jessica Chastain's character. Yes. Like, did her character get changed? Because I think for you and I both, that's one of our big complaints on, or I don't know if it's a complaint, but one of the things about this movie that I felt didn't convey or come across very well was her portrayal of her character. Um, it was something that was supposed to be, supposed to kind of like air this presence of I'm, I'm here and I can do whatever I want and I can just, you know, almost, almost like Thanos snap. I could snap my fingers and end you, but I don't know. She just came across very bland. It didn't seem very fleshed out. And yeah, I just feel like there's something missing. Um, yeah. She does this thing where she's like, she makes, she like twists and collapses people's chests or something. And that was kind of, gruesome but other than that it was just like she was just kind of one-dimensional yeah and it didn't really care about her character or didn't really you, you know it was just she was just evil for the sake of being evil and you know i think today's audiences that doesn't work yeah you know, well, well, I mean, if it was a black and white train robbery film, like the guy in the black hat does the evil, you know, laughing and they're like, oh, that's the bad guy. And they punch him and knock him out. And like, yay. But that doesn't work anymore <laughs> these days. And I think that's why, like, Infinity War is such a good, a well-received movie because... Yes, Thanos is a bad guy, and he did an awful thing. But people understand him. They see his point of view. Whether they agree with it, that's something else. But they understand it. Mm -hmm. And he's he's. they see that he's not just killing people left and right because he's the bad guy. He's doing it because he feels that what he's doing is right. And so, yeah, it was just kind of, kind of frustrating in, in that. Her, her character in this was just like... I'm almighty powerful and I'm going to do whatever I want. And well, yeah, it's like I, I've traveled the universe and I've destroyed everything in my path until I came across you. And that's her motivation to come back and stick around is because yeah. the only thing that she's never been able to destroy is the, is Jean gray. Yeah. And you're just like, which they, they made it seem like it was a power in space that absorbed into Jean Grey. And is that how it is in the comics? I honestly, it's, I'd have to look it up to see exactly how she. Because uh, in, in X-Men 2, 
Jean Grey's character sacrifices herself to save everybody else uh, as a flood is coming and the the X-Jet won't take off. And so she uses her telekinetic powers to lift it up and to block the water. And in that, she starts to glow almost as if she's on fire. And then the, she lets the water take her and you think she's dead. But then you see a fiery bird structure underneath the water before the film ends. And then, you know, the third film happened. And in, in Apocalypse, she... At the very At the very end, end. The, you know, Apocalypse is this unbeatable character. He, he basically has a mutant ability that can counteract any mutant power that comes at him. Uh, but then she just wakes up that... And, and they kind of hint that she's got this, you know, evil feeling inside that she just she doesn't understand it. She can't feel like she can control it for much longer and she lets it go. And that's what defeats Apocalypse. Apocalypse. But then, you know, she absorbs something in space and then that's how so, it yeah, that's that's one of the bigger continuity. Yeah, things I think kind that of a continuity you run into is at the end of Apocalypse they are completely hinting at she is about to unleash and she hints at the power of the dark Phoenix. And that's what destroys apocalypse. You're like, okay, so this is where it starts, but no, this dark Phoenix saga movie is set 10 years later from that. Yeah. And she doesn't start exhibiting or having signs of the dark Phoenix power until after they go to space and she absorbs whatever. So it's just like, so where's the power from? Yeah. Is it from something she already had inside that has been uh, broken open or does it come from space? Yeah. Who knows? I think if I think, remember correctly, I think it is a space thing because I think that's, well, that's one of the problems. A lot of fans have it's like, well, it's not that way in the con, you know? Um, but back when the first X-Men films were being made, going to space was not, logical like that wouldn't that would would have been too fantastical to to happen or not believable and so so they made it more relatable and and down to earth which i didn't mind but yeah apparently a lot of people did the the other thing you know there's jessica chastain but then there was jennifer lawrence i kind of feel like she wasn't really like it's pretty well known she wasn't a big fan of the franchise of being in the movies after the, uh, doing the first two, she was like, I don't want to do the makeup anymore. <laughs> and she just kind of, you know, she had, she was contractually obligated and she was going to do what she needed to do, but she was not shy about saying she wasn't really well, wanting to do it. She, one of her stipulations for coming back to this one was, the I just went blank on his name. The guy that directed it, he's he's been a writer. Simon Kinberg. Yes. He's been yeah. involved with the X Men franchise, I think, since the beginning. Yeah, and uh, she's like, if if he, you know, couldn't get Brian Singer for reasons we won't go into, and I think for her, she's like, I'll come back one more time if it's Simon Kinberg because he knows the 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 universe he's been involved with it since day one she she was kind of done and was ready to be done with playing the character yeah 
And and you can kind of see that with each movie, the extent of the makeup for the mystique character, it gets less and less complex. And, and, you know, in the, in the earlier movies, when Rebecca Romaine was doing the, doing the role, she was basically naked all the whole time and in blue makeup. This one, she did that a lot of times uh, in, you know, days of future past and some of the other ones, but as the franchise moved on, she was wearing more clothes, which isn't necessarily a problem. It's just, you know, less makeup to do on her body. Or and she, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I would feel comfortable walking around a movie set basically naked with just like latex covering, mm-hmm. you know, the intimate parts. So I'm, I'm not gonna falter for that. Uh, but well, you know, they also it, utilized her as just herself too. So she would, she yeah. wasn't actually needing to be blue or anything. And which was kind of frustrating because once again, the continuity thing in some of the earlier movies, the, the whole point was that, you know, I think in, in the first one that they did with Kevin Bacon, what's that oh, called? Uh, first first class. class. That's good. That's right. And that one kind of the struggle that she had was, you know, I can be anybody I want, but I can't be myself. And then, they convince her you should be you. You shouldn't let anybody else say otherwise. And then the next movie, she's not herself. She's <laughs> posing she's as J-Lo. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence or whoever else. Yeah. So yeah, it's just one of those things. So Jennifer Lawrence's character, and I don't know if this had some had anything to do with her dislike of being in the movie either, but uh, she was killed off pretty early on in the film. And it was supposed to be like this big moment. And this is where we will come back to this from an earlier comment on the marketing. On the marketing. So, yeah, she's killed off. And, and so I felt like she's kind of one of the biggest stars of the franchise. And they kind of get rid of her really early. If they had like saved her death for closer to the end, I think it would have been more powerful. But when she w- was killed and like I said, the marketing issue... It wasn't uh, wasn't effective. It, yeah. It, well, like at least it, for me, the the marketing showed you. That it's she, like the first clip yeah, of the trailer is her. Yeah, the the, the trailer shows her and Show, maybe shows her being blown away from Jean and, Grey, and, and then they, the next the scene is a funeral. A, a funeral scene. It's like, well, thanks, guys. Yeah. So it's like, why would you do that? Because it it completely takes away from that moment that obviously they were trying to make it be uh something more of an emotional moment but it was lacking because you knew it was coming yeah i feel like we're just complaining about the movie but we both said we <laughs> liked it but the i i guess out of all the the things that i i didn't care for i just i guess i didn't understand why they threw away the quicksilver character yeah he you know, going back to the statement of, you know, they kind of do a one-off of, uh, and they really show somebody's powers. But, uh, you know, the, the Quicksilver scene in Days of the Future Past is still one of the most impressive. It, it's it's up there with special, with, with special effects laden scenes where they're showing a speedster. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that is moving faster than, and, and it's, inc- it, it's, it's a really cool scene. It's, it's up there with that, um, uh, Nightcrawler scene yeah. that I was talking about. And then in Apocalypse, 
they they utilize him again in a very you know it's a kind of a similar regard it's when the x mansion is exploding sorry if you haven't seen these movies (laughs) but uh it's a very extensive scene and and very well done in this one you're you're they're preparing you're like oh here comes the quicksilver scene and then it's over before it even really begins well he's in so portion of the, the very beginning of this movie has takes place in space as we mentioned the that's when uh phoenix gets her power or Jean gray so like the x uh, the, it starts off with the x-men being this like really great well-respected aspect of of america like they're kind of like this special ops team that that everybody knows and loves. And so a space shuttle is losing orbit. And so the X-Men decide to, to chip in and help out. And the shuttle is, has a breach in it or or something. I can't remember exactly what was going on, but it was going to blow up or the astronauts weren't going to survive. So they teleport on with nightcrawler and he brings Quicksilver but a speedster doesn't work well in zero gravity. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. Like they, they did a bunch of like scenes where he was like moving really fast, like unbuckling him and stuff. So there is a little bit of it, but, but yeah, not to the extent of fun. Well, and they do a little bit too on the, in the street battle uh, where he's quickly shunned to the side by Phoenix. Okay. Uh, and again, it was just like, yeah, you know, and, and then and because of that scene, his character is injured, and he doesn't come back until the end. Yeah, when you're like, oh, he's out of the hospital or whatever, and you're just like, why, why throw away that character? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just kind of frustrating. So yeah, there, like I said, there obviously we're kind of nitpicking some things that we didn't like about it, but the the film itself wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. You know, Jessica Chastain could have been better, and nothing against her. I don't know if it was her or the changes to the film, but you know, obviously Jessica Chastain can do a very good job, you know, cause she's, she's a very fine actress. But with that said, the storyline I thought, thought was pretty good. You know, the whole aspect of like, you know, Charles Xavier being kind of like he was building up his own ego and he wasn't seen straight. And I thought that was kind of a good, cool aspect of the film. You know, they kind of had hints of the mutant Island that, is featured in the comics mm-hmm. and the and the cartoon, and so that was kind of an interesting aspect of it. But yeah, it just didn't hit all the marks and and whatnot. But I I'm glad I saw this film, and so I give this one a, a one ticket. You know, I I don't want my money back. I'm glad I saw it. I'm I'm glad I was able to see it in theaters and and finish out the franchise. Although there might be another movie coming out with New Mutants, it's, it keeps <laughs> getting delayed, keeps getting pushed back, and then it's on again, off again. So who knows if, if it'll see the light of day? Because of this movie, Disney now who owns Fox is like, well, let's hold back on all the Fox movies that are coming out. So who knows <laughs> if we'll even see it? Uh, but yeah, New Mutants is a movie that kind of like this was just kind of caught up in the, in the Disney purchase, but yeah, I'm glad I saw it. And, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to rush to see it again. I probably won't buy it on home video. How dare you? (laughs) 
but but that's 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 where I stand. That's where I last my last stand. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all evening. Well, I will <laughs> rise from the ashes Ooh. and give this movie two tickets because uh, I give every movie two tickets. <laughs> no, I give it two tickets because I do have an affinity for the X-Men. They're my favorite characters. As much as I love the MCU and, and what they're doing with those characters, and I do love those characters, the X-Men are, are, are the ones that I, I enjoy the most. Um, Cyclops has always been my favorite Marvel character. I'm sad to, you know, it, it's, it's sad that this was such a failure because it is a franchise that I have enjoyed and there's not going to be any more with these characters, with these actors as these characters. Uh, I'm excited for what's to come whenever they are reintroduced into the, the, the larger Marvel universe that is now in play. You know, I thought, how do you replace Patrick Stewart? Well, they did a great job with with James McAvoy. Yeah. Can you do it a third time? I don't know. I don't know. Mm, Marvel has a pretty good track record with casting. <laughs> they do. Um, you, whoever steps into the Wolverine shoes, you got a lot to live up to. I'm not saying that they can't do it. Yeah. I'm. I, it, it, it is kind of like, yeah, obviously... Hugh Jackman has embodied the character for the entirety of its, of its life of its on film. Um, and so it's, it's hard to imagine anybody else doing it, but you know, Jack Nicholson was the embodiment of the Joker until, until Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger did yeah. it. And now we're getting another iteration with Joaquin, uh, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Sorry, Jared Leto, your <laughs> Joker didn't really quite hit with audiences, <laughs> so. but that may also be a, filmmaking issue as well i don't know yeah i don't know if he's necessarily done or not but but yeah uh i i i hope that the the new mutants gets released somehow you know maybe not necessarily in theaters but maybe maybe on the new disney plus yeah. let's just throw it out on there you know it's the the whole x-men universe uh i really enjoyed the gifted tv show that tied into a little bit to the larger x-men universe but it got canceled yeah I never got a chance to check that out. So. Uh, I haven't watched the Legion TV show, but I know that one obviously has run its course. And they they say that that one still had ties to the the larger X-Men. But Supposedly, yeah. The Legion was a different show. That, I need to get back into it because I started watching it. But it was one of those where, because it deals with, is this character mentally insane or is it a mutant power? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of the whole deal. And I think the character technically is Professor X's son. Yes. And so he's sort of telepathic. And I think it's more like he can't control or really know when he's reading other people's minds or something. I'm not sure exactly what the, the jits of his powers are. But it deals a lot with, with being in a mental institution and wondering what's reality and what's not. Yeah. And the show is like nothing I've ever, like, <laughs> how they depicted it. For a TV show, I was really surprised in a good way. The problem was that with most shows, they're like, previously on Legion, you know, they'll kind of give you a recap. Legion doesn't. And it, in a way, it's good because it kind of helps with the, because it's one of those shows where it's confusing on purpose. You're supposed to not really know what's going on. 
but you can still follow the story. My wife and I were watching the show, but then we got to a point where, you know, I was busy a lot or something. So she decided to watch it without me. And so I lost where I left off. (laughs) And without that recap, I was like, I don't know if I'm on episode seven or four. And it was just, so I just kind of stopped watching it and they've, I think they've done three seasons. So I need to go, I I need to go back into it, but yeah, Legion, at least the first few episodes were really, really good to our listeners. What did you think? Did you enjoy X-Men, uh, dark Phoenix or or did you hate the crap (laughs) out of it? Like everybody else in the United States. Uh, Are you a fan of the X-Men? Are you looking forward to what's to come? Give us your thoughts. Let us know what you what you thought about it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, gmail.com, anchor.fm. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. And are you checking our Twitter, Bob? We got the we got the Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check your ticket stubs. Yeah.